Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 1-2-3 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and relating to Israel to give you a window to look through experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic anytime. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co or follow and like Inspiration from Zion at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end, where we're also going to share an exciting opportunity. And please feel free to share this with others who you know will also find it of interest. Now, if you've been following Inspiration from Zion now for most of two and a half years, you know that the topics and the guests are planned in advance and scheduled and seasonal and try to connect with various uh, historic events and things of that nature uh, or biblical events that we're, that we're learning about in the Bible at that time. Um, but the last, wow, three weeks at least, um, we've been all about different aspects of the war that's going on here. And while we're recording this sometime before the release date, when you're actually going to be able to hear it, sadly, I'm reasonably confident that we're still going to be having a war going on. And, and this, is a, this is a super important topic, and I'm thrilled to have three amazing friends and panelists, guests here to join the conversation. And we're going to just do a quick intro and then just jump right into it. Um, she- alphabetical order. Shelly Neese is president of the Jerusalem Connection. Shelly is the author of the Copper Scroll Project and host of the Bible Fiber podcast. She studied in Israel from 2000 to 2003 where she received her master's in Middle Eastern studies from Ben-Gurion University. Shelley is currently a graduate student studying biblical history and archeology span and consults for an upcoming documentary on the tabernacle. Shelley has dedicated her life to sharing the story of Israel and the Jewish people. And she currently resides in Arizona with her four children and her husband, who is a physician in the United States Air Force. Joshua Washington has the distinction of not being the last person in the list alphabetically today. <laughs> he is the director of the Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel. He's a composer and world touring recording artist. Joshua lectures on topics such as the historic Black and Jewish relationship and the Africa-Israel alliance. His album, Zion, has received national acclaim as he continues to tour and promote all over the world. Amy Zawi is vice president of the Jerusalem Connection, an adjunct university professor, and runs a consulting business. Amy's work to advocate for the Jewish people and for Israel is a lifelong passion. She enjoyed two study tours in Israel, completing her master's thesis on human rights in Israel. Amy generates a weekly red alert report on YouTube to inform and combat anti-Semitism, inform on and and combat anti-Semitism. We're not for it, we're against it. And she's contributing <laughs> to the uh, casualty concept, the rise of anti-Semitism, and what can be done to stop it. Um, Amy and her husband live in Virginia, and their three grown, grown children reside nearby. Now, by full disclosure, for those of you not looking at this, 
Um, I actually read their bios from, I now can no longer say the forthcoming book, the actual book, Israel the Miracle, which we're going to talk about later in the in the in the program, and in which both uh, not both Amy, uh, Shelley, and Joshua are all three of our contributing authors, and it's an incredible book. But right now, I'm just really excited to welcome the three of you to jump into a conversation because we're talking today about how this peak in in overt anti-Semitism is is not just affecting the Jewish people but affecting you, affecting you as Christians and Christian pro-Israel activists. And I wanted to jump in, but before I do, um, I would love it if any of you want to add something to your bio that I uh, read, or, at, not or, and most definitely, I'd love it if you would each share where and how you became involved with Israel advocacy, because I want to frame the conversation in terms of how long this is inbred in each of you. Um, Shelly, you're nodding. You want to start? Oh, I'm always nodding. But yes, um, sure. I, My husband and I moved to Israel in 2000. And at that time, it just sounded like a fun adventure. I was a small town Louisiana girl. And I got on the airplane from Frankfurt to Tel Aviv and learned it was a Jewish country. <laughs> Really? I, I really was just along. I mean, I guess I understood that. I think maybe I thought it was more Christian than it was. I hadn't Googled any um, anything on the demographics. We just got married and two weeks later moved to Israel because it was a good educational opportunity. I think if our program had been in France, we would have gone to France. So Israel wasn't anything special when we made that choice. But um I got there and Camp David was happening when we left. And just a few months later, the Intifada was happening. And I didn't know. I, I just remember sitting in the library at my university and Googling who Hamas was wow. and who Hezbollah was and just trying to grab my wrap my head around all the big actors. I was a math major and microbiology major before I went over there. And I quickly started I dropped all science and math classes and only wanted to study all things Middle Eastern history, which is how, so I didn't go over there to get a graduate degree in Middle Eastern studies. That's just how it worked out because I couldn't not know what was going on. And I knew I didn't know enough about Jewish history. And then all my classmates were Jewish and then nine 11 happened. And suddenly I'm in Israel when this other major thing is happening in my own country. And I just, I felt wow. I felt so connected to Israelis too, because now we were connected in this thing together that we were confronting. And so that's how that's how my advocacy for Israel first began was just a student trying to absorb everything that I possibly could about Israel. And when I came back to the States in the beginning, I actually worked for we called it jokingly the peace industry, but, um, but I worked for uh, Harvard law school, had a group that taught negotiation skills to high level Israelis and Palestinians. And then the Gaza disengagement happened. And I worked with uh, a center called the Gresky center, where we worked with the world bank and world health organization and all the major international players. And all I did was just edit the paper that was, 
supposed to peacefully hand over the greenhouses in Gaza and peacefully oh, hand wow. over uh, all of the, you know, productive Jewish real estate in Gaza. I wasn't for the Gazan disengagement, but I was there working for an Israeli group that was trying to at least make it organized and helpful. And the day after the Gaza disengagement, as we all know, they trampled those greenhouses that we had worked for so long to arrange for peaceful transfer. And that is when it hit me. And I realized, oh, this is just classic anti-Semitism. Like they are burning these things to the ground because they were touched by the hands of Jews. No matter that these were greenhouses that were exporting citrus all over Europe and, and could have been such a vital economic resource for the Gazan community. But they didn't want any part of it because it had once been touched by Jewish hands. So I I literally quit <laughs> quit the peace industry and started working for the Israeli Consul General in Boston. Oh, I didn't know that. Right after the Gaza disengagement. And I wow. haven't looked back since. Very wow. nice. Uh, very good. Um, I didn't know that about you. I, my, my first job out of college was the consulate in Atlanta. Um, oh, nice. But yeah. Okay. So so you basically showed up in Israel and jumped into the deep end with no yes. with no floaties, nothing. You just jumped in. Okay. And I feel like we're all right there again. We're all just jumping in again. Well, we're going to talk about that. Right. Okay. Joshua, you, you've got a, a different uh, history. It's a family history. Yeah. Yes. Um. So first of all, yeah, I I, uh, I feel bad for not having this in my bio, but my my wife, uh, Olga Mishway Washington, um, wonderful activist on her own and does yes. a lot of amazing things. And then my our two kids, Ezra and Judah, um, we have we have them as well. Um, yeah, mine is a kind of a familial thing. Um, my my father has his own journey, but when me and my there's there's me and I have five sisters, one older sister and four younger ones, and and um, when me and my older sister were very little, um, my parents, I remember my parents beginning to introduce these different things into our household, like Shabbat and um, Pesach. And and um, we just, you know, as kids, we didn't know any differently. We just thought it was cool. We thought, you know, Friday nights, uh, we would get out a special tablecloth and put it on the table. It was just something that we thought of. And so... To this day, we still do that at my parents' house. They have like a special tablecloth on the table. And um, and so there's always been for us this um, this this awareness and appreciation of the roots of our faith. Um, and so with that, um, I've I think out of I think out of the six of us, um, I was the most interested just in uh the the culture of Judaism the like you know and and the 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 Torah and the scriptures and my dad and I would talk a lot and and but it wasn't until I was in college it wasn't until about 2009 when I was a sophomore that I was even aware of modern Israel like I wow. I never really thought about because we ne- we never really had those kind of political discussions in my house my dad is very political but you know I was a little I was kind of young for those talks so he would talk to my mom or. Um, at the church we were going to, he was the music minister. He would talk to, you know, some of the people in the choir or whatever, but, you know, I was, I was a kid. And so uh, my first kind of introduction into it was actually my alma mater. They were doing a fundraiser for Gaza, kind of similar to what's happening right now, actually. And their claim was that Israel's committing genocide. And that was my first time really actually hearing about modern day Israel and, um, you know, I didn't know what to make of it. I, I didn't have any ties to it or anything, but then I began to 
you know, ask my dad questions, read some things and, um, and, and not too much time. I started to see how some of how certain things weren't true, you know, and, and the way my brain works is that once I see a couple of things, I, it's, it's pretty easy for me to kind of latch on. Okay. Well, how can you trust anything then that's coming from these people? If, if this huge thing that they're saying now, I just was able to find out that it wasn't true. Um, and so it began oh, to be like excellent. a research thing for me. I just researched a lot and, and through college, I would just have random conversations with my friends. Cause I was like, you guys, need to, you guys need to see this kind of stuff. Like, this is really cool. And, and then like, look how cool Israel is. And, and, um, I was always kind of like this, you know, I went to school for music, but like this kid who just knew this stuff about what was going on in Israel. And it was just a strange thing. I didn't really start speaking out until about 2013. So it was a year after I graduated, graduated from college. And, um, from there, um, um, you know, then that's when I learned about the disengagement from guys and I learned about the intifadas. And then I met my, some of my dearest friends were in high school during the intifadas, you know, and they could, they could actually, then I began to get an education that wasn't just in books, but like, you know, some of these things were not that long ago. So knowing that there was someone who was a senior in high school and they like worrying about their bus exploding on their way to school, like that made it so real for me. I was like, wow, this, you know, this is, this is a real thing. It's not a story in a storybook, you know? Um, and it's to this day, um, that's how I met my wife. She's, she was an Israel advocacy. Her father is in the South African parliament. One of the, one of the very, very few strong Zionist voices in South Africa. Um, and our life has just been, you know, one big journey ever since. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I love, and it's so important that you commented on dissecting the fallacies of anti-Israel hatred, um, it's not even being pro-Palestinian, it's really being anti-Israel, yeah. uh, because I just spent most of yesterday writing a 4,000-word document refuting some woman in law school who was writing to the uh, uh, the nephew of a good friend who's a pastor and didn't know how to answer it. So I answered it, 4,000 words. And what I realized is the point that you said is that um, when when you have the misuse of so many facts, you really can't be trusted on any of it. Right. Um, that was great. Um, Amy, thank you, Joshua. Thank you for sharing that. So my journey is a little different. While Shelly was thrown into the deep end, I waded in slowly from the shallow end. Um, I was raised on Long Island in New York in the 70s and 80s. So I'm going to date myself. And I was raised in a conservative Baptist Christian home with a pastor who always preached out of the Old Testament. Israel was the apple of God's eye. Um, the covenants with Abraham were eternal. So that the theological foundation that, um, that Christian Zionists share as far as Israel's place in history ancient and modern was always sort of second nature for me. And being on Long Island, I had public school teachers who were Jewish. And at this point in history, these teachers could share um, around the high holy days, um, around Hanukkah. They would share with our class, you know, the class students, you know, about their holidays, their, their, um, I had one teacher who used to come and do the prayers and, and would, wow do the prayers. And 
so it was something I was, and then of course, Jewish students in my, in my, in my classes were my friends. I went to their homes. They came to my home. So it was just a very natural relationship um, to have and, and a natural affinity for Israel as a modern state as a, as a result. And, um, and then when I went to college, I went to Germany for a year for college to a, a Bible school. And we had one guest lecturer, one professor, Dr. Alice Namoff. She was um, a Jewish woman from Brooklyn who did Aliyah to Israel. And then she was in Israel for quite some time when she was her our guest lecturer in Germany. And I was in this, this school with international Christian students, many from Canada, uh, other parts of America, other parts of Europe. Um, and she, she preached, I mean, preached, she taught from the Old Testament and she put together the the sort of the case for modern Israel. She talked about modern Israel because now she was a citizen there. And I was like, you know, yeah, right. That's right. And all these other students were like, what is she talking about? Like, this was the first exposure to it. These are Christian kids, many of whom went to Christian schools, right, in North America. Um, Not all. And uh, and I was just so, I, I was so thankful that there was at least somebody teaching and I was also surprised about how I was the only one that was like, yeah, don't you know this? Wow. Um, so now we're, so anyway, fast forward, I got to Virginia and um, Susan Michael, uh, the director of the ICEJ was a relative by marriage. And, um, and we looked her up when we got to the DC area and I just started volunteering, um, particularly at the solidarity event. And then just getting to know everybody and getting um, taking trips to Israel through the ICEJ, and I just always had that knowledge. But of course, in these almost twenty years <laughs> of working it, uh, actively as in the activist role per se, you know my my knowledge of the details and the intricacies and the and the arguments and and then of course. Um, the counter arguments and and for me to see what's going on in the counter narrative um, today and before October 7, it's it's extremely frustrating because I've been aware of, as Joshua said, this was misinformation that was being peddled in schools, um, in the news cycle. And it's been just my goal to combat it. That's why we have the red alert report. Every Wednesday, I pick a different I mean, we've been doing this now, Shelley, how many episodes, hundreds of episodes every Wednesday since 2011, maybe? Wow. Um, last week's was great. <laughs> last <laughs> week was just one of our best ones ever. <laughs> and, was uh, Jonathan was our guest. But yeah, so it was just, it's just a slow, slowly okay. getting to the deep end. And I feel like that education that I've had over these last 20, you know, 20 years of deep diving into it as an adult and that childhood of being surrounded by it um, is readying us for this time. Okay. That's, this is an excellent setup. Um, but I want to take a very quick break and come back and, and, and pick up on some of the things that you said. And I, I have a question that I wasn't even thinking about asking, but it's kind of provocative. So That'll be my cliffhanger for the moment. Let's come right back. I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do 
as part of the Genesis 1-2-3 Foundation. This year, we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill, they are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. Okay. Amy, Shelley, and Joshua, thank you. This is amazing. Um, you know, uh, Amy, you just used at the beginning of your introduction, talking about how you had a pastor growing up who spoke about the covenant, God's covenant with the Jewish people and preached from the Old Testament. Um, you you use the word frustrating in terms of the current experience and that which piggybacks on um, a word I've heard heard articulated and 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 discerned from a lot of Christian friends in the last month now. Um, distress. There's distress. There's dismay. And what I, and maybe not for this conversation, but I think that that's a it's a an appropriate foil and parallel for a uniquely and perhaps unprecedented level of support for Israel and the Jewish people now. I think I think historically, and I'm working trying to work on on framing that in an article. But the three of you together have 50 to 60 years of pro-Israel advocacy. Um, so you're not, and that's why I wanted to start with that. You're not novices. This is not something new that you just kind of jumped into. You know a lot about a lot. But the last month has been unnerving. Um, I'm curious, however each of you want to address this, what have you learned in the last month about being Jewish, which you're not, and what have you learned about being grafted in, which you are? Anyone want to take that? That's interesting. It is. Okay. It's the first time. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that in the last month or three and a half weeks or whatever we're at now, um, one of the things that because I'm making extra efforts to reach out to my Jewish friends and say, how are you? You know, not in that, hey, how are you kind of sense, but no, how are you? Yeah. Um, and I, I got a hint of this when I was in, in Poland in June. Um, that idea of being betrayed. Um, you, you know, when I was growing up, we had a lot of Holocaust survivors who came to our schools frequently. So you, you couldn't, you know, it was firsthand accounts, but it was still something that was a, a memory, right? A memory. And now I'm seeing it again as an adult with, with more knowledge and more experience, but it, it's not a, it's not a memory. It's now, it's, mm. it's now. And, um, 
and I, and when you, as far as being grafted in and, and I feel like I was thinking about this earlier today, you know, that term cultural appropriation Yeah. where, where it's like, you're trying to be something you're not. And, and I've been feeling a sense of despair. That's the word I was using recently is despair and, and anger um, and, and hurt. And then I feel like, well, wait a minute, it's not my experience. It's not my experience. So I don't want my Jewish friends to think that I'm I'm taking that like, oh yeah, I know how you feel because because I don't. I can't say I know how you feel. But I I wanna say I'm I'm trying to figure out how you feel because I feel that you're in pain and that hurts me. What what great sensitivity that you're concerned about our concern about appropriation of something, but I think it's appropriate that you should feel despair and and uh, anger. Um, Joshua, you were going to jump in a minute ago. You want to? Yeah, and no, I'm just thinking, especially as as Amy's talking. So it's 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 it is painful uh, to see, and I think that first off, for my Jewish brothers and sisters, it's like. It's always been this way, but it's so amplified now. It's like this double pain of, first of all, you know, my cousin, my nephew, my, you know, my friend's mother, whatever. You have people who are hostages in Gaza. If all the stuff that happened on October 7th, I mean, unspeakable things that are still being uncovered, things that I think the the Israeli government showed to some top journalists and they couldn't even finish watching the footage. Everyone was right. breaking down. Into, I mean, such horrific things. And then you have the additional pain of people celebrating. You, you turn on the TV and you see celebrations. You see people already denying that it happened. Like you have modern day Holocaust deniers denying something that just happened like three weeks ago, saying you guys are liars. Where's the evidence? Show me videos. I want to see pictures. Um, and then you have, um, and then you have those who, because they're so attached to their ideology, they feel like, Israel deserved this and the Jews deserve this. And they feel justified harassing Jewish kids on campus. And I was talking with a good friend earlier today, uh, Peggy Shapiro. We were on the phone and and she was telling me about something that happened in Chicago um, just yesterday where she there was this big mob and this elderly man offered to walk her across the street because there was this big protest and people, a big pro-Hamas protest. Um, and that guy wound up getting beat up by the mob who's oh, come across the street. And this is happening all over the place. But like, while, like, while the Jewish people are mourning and in agony over people, they're not even sure are alive or not babies, children, right? Like, I, like if that was my child, I would already, I'd be a wreck, but then to turn on the TV and see, like, I'm not talking about a couple of people in, in, you know, middle America somewhere. I'm talking about people on college campuses, professors and politicians and celebrities celebrating the fact that my kid got taken from me and, and is having God knows what done to him this whole time. And like, and it's been a, almost a month now and, and he's still missing. It's, it's heartbreaking. Um, and even as a musician, I've, you know, I've, one thing I've been able to do is um, within my circle of of musicians and people that travel with me, I've been able to share these things with them. And the other day I sent everyone a voice note. We have a group together and I said, look, guys, it, it's 1939 and I'm I'm making some decisions about who we're working with next year. 
I'm already having to cut people off. And I'm letting you know that if you have any issues or if you want to talk about something, come talk to me. But if we're not in agreement about this, then we, you're gonna, we're going to have to part ways. Because I, I, I just, what's going on right now, literally, you have people who are, who are celebrating Arab Nazis. That, that's, you know what I mean? In this country. And they're justifying terror. And they're, they're, while Jewish people are in agony, they're also being accosted on the streets for what was just done to them, because apparently that's also their fault. So it's, it's like Amy said, I don't know exactly how that feels, but it just makes me angry that, that, that there, there is no rest. There's no respite at all right now. But it is, but I, I want to let you finish the, the second part of the question or, or address that. But what I'm, what I'm, we're seeing this because it's recorded with a video and I see that you're getting animated, but you can hear it. Even if I close my eyes, I can hear it. Um, and that's important. It's important for it's first of all, it's important for Jews to hear. And I pray that many will listen to this conversation to know that this is this is deep. I, I, I don't worry about you or anyone else culturally appropriating anything. I think that we are together and need to be more together and 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 for good out of the bad. This is an opportunity to to build that to make that happen and and you know the reasons why lots of jews are suspicious and we're going to be circling the wagons now yeah. that's not really for this conversation um but also a lot of christians who don't know what you know and who who intuit just just before we began this i was on the phone with my bank having trouble with logging in and the guy, the guy understood i was in israel and, and i was i i deliberately said it because i wanted to evoke something I, what are you, are you for us? Are you against us? And he was asking, are you okay? Are you safe? And I was narrating. I said, yeah, I live 40 miles out the window behind me from, from Gaza and, and we're relatively safe. But two or three days ago, there was a rocket that landed just outside of my community and blah, blah. blah. And then as I'm talking on the phone, he was on speaker. I look and there, the, the, the red alert is going off. I said, oh, look at that. Rockets to Ashdod. If I look out my window now, I can see the rockets being shot down by the Iron Dome. And I walked to the window behind me and I narrated it. And this guy was, I guess, pun intended, blown away. Yeah. And it yeah. and it gave him a different perspective, which yes. which the reason that was it's a long story, but people have to understand that. That's which is why okay, Joshua, I I, I, I interrupted you, but what about the, the notion of being grafted in? Because yes, and thank you for reminding me. I, I heard yeah. it. Um, it's funny. It's the first time I've I've heard that phrase said to me by a Jewish person. <laughs> Usually, it's, it's like, but you know, it's it's. I, so I was I was kind of taken aback. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't realize we're. Um, yeah, I, I think that um, for us as Christians, one, I mean, it, there's just a foundational thing that a lot of Christians are missing, which is is why we stand with Israel, you know. And and there's a lot of biblical literacy. There's a lot of. Um, Christian, you know, anti-Semitism. Um, I was, I was, a, I'm usually not that surprised, but I was a little bit surprised at some of the, um, some of the accounts, some of the pundits that I follow, um, some of the things that they were saying. I was like, you're usually a pretty rational person and really you just kind of missed the mark big here. And, um, but I would say, you know, outside of that, there's one that's just standing for the truth. And there's this other thing where, you know, our fates really are tied. And so right. that's one of one of the one of the sayings, and you all know this that that is said um by terrorists who oppress 
who are now pressing Christians, they said first the Saturday people, then the Sunday people, right? And so um, I don't know what Christians are thinking when they side with Hamas, but like we'll, we're, our heads are also going to be on the chopping block. Like there's, there's, there's no, um, there's no uh, out for us either. Um, so this is also a fight that, you know, it's, it's the same. And I was pointing this out to a friend of mine who was trying to make some sort of connection between Africa and, and the Palestinians. I said, you know, the same, the same backing that Hamas gets other terrorist groups that have been killing people in Africa get as well. Like that's the Israel's enemies are Africa's enemies. There's no, there's no solidarity here between Palestinians and Gaza and Africans. And the same thing with Christians is not only is there no solidarity, you know, we, they're going to come for us next that this terror is coming for us too. Um, So what it says for me as a Christian is who's grafted in is that, yeah, if we're grafted into a tree that is Israel and someone's coming after that tree, well, I mean, obviously you know, the branches grafted in are going to be hurt as well. Um, And that, that's, that's, you know, that's, it's a very practical thing that I think, I think too many are missing. Okay. Mm. Uh, Thank you. Shelly, you have either the distinction of having everyone taken all the good material or, or having some really good additional insight. Um, Well, so for me, I'm thinking of this question almost organizationally, even more than individually right now, that on October 7th, as an organization, I feel like our mission changed because with the Holocaust and then the foundation of the state of Israel, what it meant to be a righteous Gentile, what it meant to save a Jewish person changed. And so Christian organizations, we have focused on Aliyah all this time, you know, that if we could just get Jews in danger to the ark, the ark being Israel, then they'll be safe, they'll be protected and and that's our goal. And so it's more like we've been a middleman all of this time and just helping Jews get to Israel so they can um, live out the covenant in the land and be safe and protected. But after October 7th, there was this feeling of, no, like we are not the middleman anymore. I have to open up my home to any, you know, to our Israeli friends that have health conditions that might need to stay here or or if you know if they're kosher, then I need to contact my local Chabad to see if there's a different house they can stay at. And so it's just this: the fact that what happened on October seventh happened inside Israel, that murders happened inside Israel, just gives it just changes the whole dynamic of we have to actively protect. Israelis and our Jewish neighbors in a whole new way now. What does that mean? Other than me and my six kids moving into your house. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I live in Arizona, so we're the same latitudinal line as uh, Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'm still trying to figure that out, but part of it is I see Israel and the Jewish community here in America and a it connected in a way that I haven't I haven't seen before in the past. Because to me, it's always been like, are are you a Jewish person who wants to move to Israel? Or are you a Jewish person who's pretty settled here? And there is no Jewish person right now who is settled, who feels content at their life status right now. So I guess I just feel relevant to every Jewish person who could reach out to me and we could reach back out to. Why is it so emotional for you, Shel? <laughs> no, I, I don't mean that in a bad way. 
This is really striking a nerve. Hmm. Can you articulate it? I guess, I mean, I think it's just like Jonathan and Amy always for such a time as this, you know, it's here. Mm-hmm. It's here. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. I wrote a letter to our Chabad or an email rather to our Chabad rabbi here in my County. And I had met him over the years, a few times at events and whatnot, but I, I, I wrote him an email saying, you know, I'll babysit the kids while the, the women are having, you know, a time together, if that's what they need, or I'll make sandwiches if, or clean up the sandwiches or whatever. And I told him, you know, I've been doing this red alert report for however many years it's been a dozen years, exposing anti-Semitism, trying to combat it, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like a failure. Mm-hmm. I said everything that we were doing, I feel like up until what was the Wednesday before the seventh, the second, I guess. And I said, I just, I just feel like I failed at it. Like I mm-hmm. failed you all I failed because it didn't stop what's going on in the universities. It's worse than ever. And it reminds me of when, you know, when I, when I was in kid or, or in high school, or even a month ago, you watch a movie, you know, you watch a really good movie about world war two, where, you know, somebody's hiding Jewish people or rescuing or helping, or the Jewish people are in some sort of resistance in, in central Europe. And you always watch those movies and you go, you know, I would help. Oh, I wish I was there. You know, you get it really well done. You feel it. You get, you know, if that happens, I would be the first to be like, come in my house, you know. And now I'm like, now, wait a minute. That's how a lot of people felt watching those movies. Mm -hmm. I certainly did. But but now we're on this side of October Mm -hmm. 7th. And that could be a new reality. And I still feel that way. You know, I actually looked at a couple of the doors to the attic spaces I have, like, how could I hide these? Um, But then I think about, and I think a friend of mine posted something that articulated it so well, how many people who used to watch that movies and go, Oh yeah, how could this happen? How, you know, I would of course have not allowed this to happen and are now reposting and, you know, the counter narrative, the, the quote unquote, yeah, pro-Palestinian, but I'm going to call it pro-Hamas, but Mm -hmm. it gets me so like intertwined that everything that we did before October 7th was, was a shadow or in retrospect, you know, to the Holocaust. And, and now we're in a a new, it just shifted. It shifted to today. It's no longer a memory. It's now. Mm -hmm. It's now. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Um, There's a lot to pick up on that and we're going to do it right after this break. I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis 123 Foundation. This year, we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill, they are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate 
at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. I, I was definitely not intending to go this direction, um, but I was interviewed today on a radio station in Alabama. Uh, I think it was that interview, or maybe it was my, oh, no, 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 no. It was my interview this morning in South Africa um, and talking about this anti-Semitism. And I have an unpopular opinion, and, I, and I'm saying this, Amy, because I don't think you're a failure. Um, I, I don't think that the, I don't think it's ever been a good strategy to combat anti-Semitism. Um, there are organizations that have budgets of hundreds of millions of dollars year in, year out, combating anti-Semitism. And if they were businesses with boards of directors and shares on the stock market, they'd all be bankrupt. They'd have gone out of business because mm -hmm. they haven't done the job either. And I and I don't have we were talking about this when we did the interview, when you when you had me as your guest, but I don't have a gun yet. But I think that the and I'm not advocating that everyone should get a gun to be shooting down people who, who are anti-Semites. But I think that the strategy is not combating anti-Semitism, but combating anti-Semites. Um, and that's what we're doing here. Um, it's it's harder to do it in other countries because we do now, thank God, have an army behind us. Hmm. Um, but I, I, and I think that's an unpopular position among Jews. Um, since I opened the can of worms, any of you want to comment on that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you you opened it, so I you know I'll just <laughs> um, everything you're saying and 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 Jonathan, I I appreciate you for even taking that position and saying that because it isn't. What, from what we've seen, it isn't popular either. Um, and, but it's, I think it's a necessary, it, it is the right uh, opinion in that what we, what we've been seeing across the globe, especially in the U S the response all across from college professors to, to medical people and, you know, the general public, um, this is something that, that we share with you in that with the organization with Ipsy, my father in particular has been, has been calling this out from the beginning that you guys, this is, this Jew hatred is so institutional. We're kind of late to this party right now. Like San Francisco university, my, my mother and father went to college, uh, two different colleges in San Francisco. He, he, my dad was that they were born in the sixties. He said that they've been teaching this stuff to students in San Francisco in the sixties. They were teaching all this anti-Israel pro PLO type stuff. And so now we're getting, um, you know, our children are being brainwashed by the children of the professors who used to teach wow. at these, I mean, that's, and that's how he put it. We were talking the other day. I said, wow. He said, it is so deeply embedded. Um, and, and, you know, we, we meaning in the advocacy space will often focus on maybe an individual or someone like that, but like, um, but there's not enough of this, um, whether it's attacking economically uh, like through the law, taking down these institutions that are literally teaching disinformation to students and those students becoming our next world leaders 
and being getting elected into office and and passing these bills. Like by the time you get to the squad and everyone who's been added to that, they, I mean, where did they get their education, right? What, who's who's been funding their? Well, that's 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 on us. And so when I look at this now, and I I'm, and and I echo what what you said, Shelley and Amy, is that this is really where the rubber meets the road, right? Like this is, and and what's what's been painful is to, to for me to see some of my peers who used to be, uh, you know, right alongside us in this fight. They they're squeamish now. They, you know they they don't they don't want to say anything anymore. They they they've you know bowed out. They're doing what they want to do their thing because it's too much. You know and and um and like and like you were saying, Amy, when people look at those movies and say, if I were there, I would I would hide you. If I, if I was there, I would definitely. Well, we're seeing what you would do because you're doing what you what you're doing now. You would be doing back then. Um, Ouch. and and so it, it it's that is this is this is this is real. And, 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 and again, I want to, and just lasting echo what you said too, Shelly, in that, that it happened in Israel, right? Like I, I've like the, I would, I feel safe thinking about being inside of Israel, right? But when that happened, just thinking now about how our Jewish friends are feeling like that, that is their safe haven. And look at what happened. Um, we're, we're kind of, it feels like we're, we're back in that time where you know, the Jews can only really rely on each other and, and hopefully some other non-Jews who are willing to, um, to help them. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's real. It's very real. Thank you. Um, I do feel like I'm compartmentalizing right now in my head. Everyone, like, like Joshua and Amy both expressed people that were with me three weeks ago and, you know, yes, this is terrible. What happened? Um, we stand with Israel, I'm Israel high. They have all, so many have backed down, have backed off, that it's too, it's too much pro Israel now. Mm-hmm. And I remember three weeks ago after it happened, Israelis predicting once we are strong again, once we are not put in the framework of the victim and get our feet under underneath us to fight back, the world is going to go against us again. You know, people predicting that on October 8th. And I was kind of caught up in the pro-Israel moment that I was seeing happen from world leaders of, okay, they finally get it. They're finally all right. behind Israel. So Israel can fix this problem. And it's, um, and I didn't want to sound whiny at the time of like, well, no, but they're not going to stay with Israel. But it turns out every, everyone was right. <laughs> everyone was right. And they didn't. So, so right now I've compartmentalized in my head and I either have people who would punch a Nazi or who would shake a Nazi's hand. And so the second, you know, people start equivocating these two or they start saying there's two sides to every story, like then you would shake a Nazi's hand and not punch the Nazi. So I cannot ally with you right now. What what can we do? What, What needs to be done in order to punch the Nazis, in order to combat it and uh, that you're 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 in the trenches and and that's a different way of 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 saying what i said before about being grafted in this is no less personal for any of you and you each represent millions and millions and millions of people but but most are not as educated as you most don't know and i'm i'm gonna go out on a limb and guess that many of those who don't know are, are uncomfortable right now because they don't have the resources the 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 knowledge to to and we need to support them we need to Mm. help them 
but but what are you seeing that that can be done, whether it's to support the Jewish community, whether it's to help more Christians understand that that's an imperative, or whether it's to actually combat the anti-Semites? Well, that's a question I'm asking myself <laughs> <laughs> multiple times an hour. Um, hmm. I mean, I just I feel like you know it's kind of those old phrases: think globally, act locally. You know, some of these okay. uh, cliches. Hmm. Um, but for example, I'm very concerned about the university. Very concerned, partially because I'm part of the university system as an adjunct at two universities. Uh, one university um, is a secular university, and they issued a, an email that went out to everybody, faculty, staff. You know, we have um, uh, mental health services, um, you know, that if you need to talk to somebody, you know, Hamas is condemned, you know, we condemn those actions, et cetera. N nothing since then, but at least it was an initial condemning and offering a helping hand and it wasn't addressed to Jewish students mm -hmm. it was addressed to everybody then the other school I worked for is actually a Christian university and I waited and I waited and I waited and after about the end of the second week I penned a letter to the newspaper and I was an email and um and I kind of went through it and I invoked Dietrich Bonhoeffer and, and and I told them one of our scholarship winners, the Hebrew University scholarship winner from the Jerusalem Connection is at your school um, who has direct connections to these people. Many of your students are going to have. And, and I feel like the only thing I can do is what's within my my reach right? My, my reach and then reaching just a little farther, like mm. calling a rabbi that I know as an acquaintance, but now I'm going to know, can I please talk to you on the phone? I, you know, just, just reach a little further. Um, mm. Yeah. Okay. That's all I can think of at the moment, you know, as far as what can I do? I, what can I do? Mm. Joshua, you have some stuff coming up. So, yeah, we, um, you know, between, uh, our, Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel, and then my wife, who's on our board, but she's also the COO of, of Club Z, which works with Jewish teens. Um, she's been organizing, this is like, I think the third rally that's happening this Sunday in Charlotte. Um, but on the 19th, um, we're having a Standing with Israel event um, here in Fort Mill, South Carolina. And that's really, that's so that's one of the things we're doing to just encourage and strengthen the Jewish community and the Israeli community here in Charlotte. And for those who will be live streaming, just to show them that um, they there's they're still not alone. They're still strong supporters. Um, we understand we're with you. Um, and then for us on our part, in terms of advocacy, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said fighting the anti-Semites, um, not not anti-Semitism. In that, you know, we continue to you know promote and and strengthen ties between Africa and Israel through this other stuff that we're doing, um, and really. Um, one of my encouragements to to my Israeli friends and and to anyone who really listens is, look, you, the world is going to do what the world does. The world is always sided against the Jews by and large. Um, you guys got to get your people back. You guys got to, I mean, all this, like you just, you have to have security period. You, you, there, there's no, 
There's no compromising. Not that they are. I'm just saying that there, there can't even be any thought of, well, maybe if we compromise this part of our security, then we can appease this and and like forget about public opinion. Um, you have to do what you have to do, and and we'll continue doing what what we what we can do over here as people who have greatly benefited my you know my my ancestors and my um my legacy is is one that's very closely tied with the Jewish community and all they've done to sacrifice their life even for for us to have our own civil liberties um you know mm-hmm. I, I feel it's important to to let them know that there are there might not be a lot but there are there are particularly African Americans who feel that same way and are willing to do that for you but you have to do what you have to do um and 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 I think as a whole our advocacy has to reflect that more you know we're not we're not we're not going to change our message to get more people on our side this is what it is and if this makes you upset then that means you have a problem and you have to fix that but we but in the meantime israel still has to be secure jews need to be safe and that's that's just the bottom line you know where do people first of all it's amazing that you have this event coming up on the 19th um it's going to be even more important on the 19th than it is today when we're speaking about it because as Amy was saying, or Shelly, I don't remember now, uh, we're, we're going to continue, Shelly, we're going to continue to see mm. a, 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 a an erosion of support uh, for Israel uh, going, going in one level, but the trajectory of the support for our enemies will increase, at, I believe, at a trajectory that's much higher. So it's going to be super important. If people are or, or going to be in Charlotte or can come to Charlotte, how do they find out about that, Joshua? Uh, they can go to ibsi.org. It's going to be on our website uh, by the end of today. We have a poster about it. Um, and they can you know, they can also find us on social media and message us, me or um, at Ipsy Now. Um, there'll be lots of live music. I mean, you know, we're, me and my dad are musicians. There's going to be lots of great live music. We have some speakers. Uh, there's a fairly large Israeli community in Charlotte, so we'll have some different representatives. Um, one of our friends um, uh, and uh, Chabad of Charlotte is, is also going to come. We're just—it's just a big show of solidarity. Right. Um, and even through the music that we that we have written and played, it'll also reflect um, in this as well. So, right. I'm going to make sure that I don't know if I'll be able to travel to the states by then, but uh, but I'm going to make sure that friends in the Charlotte area know. Um, Shelly, did you want to add anything to this? What, what, what? I think the general kind of question was, what can be done? Well, um, one thing that Amy and I are both part of American Christian Leaders for Israel. Amy, are we? Is it okay to start talking about dates? We, or anything? <laughs> we don't have our date nailed down yet. There was um, something about the nineteenth came in after our meeting at two o'clock. So we actually are planning with the Chabad and the uh, some of the rabbinical um, uh, associations, um, IAC, et cetera, a, a, a series of things for the DC area right. that are solidarity, that are joint, joint sponsored, joint. I mean, I don't know that the numbers will be 50-50 as far as Christians and Jews, but the fact is, that yeah, so it's either gonna it's gonna be the week of the sixteenth to the nineteenth, and it will be in D.C. And when we have it organized to the point where we can put out the date and time, and that'll be probably by Monday or Tuesday. 
Mm. But um, yeah, the goal for that is to, and we had one young woman from um, 3GDC, which is Grandchildren of Holocaust Survivors, the, on the call this morning. And she said, our our chat group, we just feel alone. Where Where is everybody? And we're like, no, we're here. And we're going to show you we're here. And the Chabad rabbi said, oh, whatever you do, I'm going to show up. And then on the issue of security, I'm setting up a meeting next week with you know, Cornerstone Church, um, you may have heard of, is thousands of people, three services with thousands of people. So we have this huge infrastructure, professionally trained security folks who are cops, FBI, Secret Service, military, et cetera, some retired, some to reserve, some active duty, that rotate through security. And the Chabad of Loudoun is, is only a portion of that size, and their events are on Friday and Saturday or what have you. And I've actually told Sheriff Mike this a couple months ago. I said, there is no reason why Cornerstone doesn't have a rotation of its volunteer professionally trained security forces helping with um, the Jewish community in Loudoun. And and the rabbi is so thankful for this. He said, we don't have the money and we know we need it. And I know personally of incidents before the 7th that have happened to that community. I love that you've done that because when we started the Genesis One Two Three Foundation, I don't know what event triggered it, but I but it occurred to me that and, and maybe this can be a catalyst for that because of the numbers, because there are so many uh, Christians out there, and you're adjacent to and neighbors of Jewish communities. That's mm-hmm. something that I would love love to see facilitated, um, and how great. Um, how great to to flip the metaphor and, and have the branch supporting the root um, on that level. But yeah, I, I love that. Thank you. I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis 123 Foundation. This year, we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill, they are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers you can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. Um I think it's not too early to, to to say that we are planning the American Christian Leaders for Israel, which Joshua has played at uh, our events, and is working together with the Rabbinic Council of America to have a two-day prayer event. So for the Jewish people, Saturday prayer event, for the Christians, nice. uh, November 19th, the Sunday prayer event that we mm. are calling all Jews and Christian fellowships to pray for the state of Israel, to pray mm. for it's um like Netanyahu said in the hostage went. hostage release hostage release forces. yeah and Shelly you weren't on the earlier call because it was the before dawn your time 
that will simultaneously happen. We're tr we have an, an in with the um, community, and Jonathan, I was going to talk about this with you offline, but to have Israelis at the same time in Thank Israel I'm praying in. as well. Yes. So it's I'm in. Thank you. Awesome. And I get, yeah, that's great. Um, where, uh, Amy Shelley, where, when that, those details are published, where can people find them on your site and social media? Definitely the ICEJ website and social media is ours, the Jerusalem Connection um, social media and our blog page. And uh, yeah, so just all of our feeds. We're on um, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and ICEJ is on Facebook. And I can't remember what else they're on. If you Google American Christian leaders for Israel, okay. you'll go straight to their yeah, website. They'll have, they, they have a page under the ICEJ Fine. banner. It'll all be out there. I want I want people to connect with what all of you are doing, and I want people to be uh, to, to, for what you're doing to be a catalyst for other people saying, mm, "We we haven't done that yet in uh, in um, Tulsa. We haven't done that yet in um, Indianapolis or or, or wherever." Um, so I, I hope that that will happen. Um, yeah. When the conversation when this when this uh, podcast airs. It's actually going to be November 9th, which I know all of you know is the anniversary in 1938 of Kristallnacht, the, mm -hmm. the one of the major Nazi pogroms. I, I, I don't remember how many Jews were killed and the statistics were hor horrific and, and the world didn't respond and the Nazis knew that that was a, basically a, a free pass to continue. That was 1938. Joshua, you had said earlier that we're in 1939. Um, what what can we learn from that? What 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 do we need to, I mean, I know I just asked the question, what needs to happen, but but a mindful of the fact that we are at this, I can't do the math, 38, 80, 85th, 85th years since Christ, since Kristallnacht. It's not quite a century, but it's still in our present memory. Um, what do we need to learn from that? And the fact that that was, whether it was a pogrom as a trial balloon or whether it wasn't a trial balloon, but since nothing happened, it allowed everything just to get worse. Mm. What do we need to learn from that in 2023? I think that first, and I'm sorry, was someone getting ready to talk? I apologize. I was, um, I was talking to one of my good friends about, we were actually talking about this and, and Hamas. And I think one of the things is that, you know, I know that, and I've even said it, I've said it recently, you know, we call them monsters and stuff, but they're human beings in, in the sense that humans are capable, you know, of this kind of evil. Germany was considered wow. like the height of civilization. It wasn't, it wasn't a bunch of dumb people in a, you know, uh, out in the, in the desert somewhere. These were, you know, cutting edge scientists and doctors and politicians and they were so smart that they decided that maybe the Jews are the problem of the world, right? So it's like it has nothing to do with intelligence or how how much yeah. you think you've evolved, quote unquote. Um, it really it 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 goes beyond that. And and what if we can actually see when we look at history, we need when we, if we can actually look at Hitler and look at the Nazis, look at Heinrich Himmler and 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 Goebbels as men who who fell into this Jew hatred, right? And, and pursued this path. 
I think that it'll all, it'll make us check ourselves as we're, you know, as we think about things, but if we see them as, oh, they were just barbarian, you know, they were, they weren't human. And that's just something kind of out of some, you know, the, the, the pits of hell somewhere, then you, you kind of like absolve yourself of any of that. I could never hate a Jew like that. And a lot of, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people who are marching for Hamas uttered those words, right? Oh, that's, that's, I mean, we talked about their whole punch a Nazi thing was trending a few years ago. And some of these same people now are chanting intifada, intifada, globalizing intifada. So clearly it has nothing to do with the Germans were human beings just like we were. And it's like when we can realize that, then we can actually realize our own fallibilities um, and and like navigate through that rather than think that we're just above all that because that was back then. Um, and then we fall into the same trap and not even realize it. And we think we're doing something noble and good. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Profound. Shelly, Amy? I see Amy and Joshua's story as both inspiring in terms of their story is very similar, that Joshua grew up in a home that was celebrating all things Jewish, that was celebrating all things connected to Israel. And Amy was having sleepovers with Jewish friends. And so I, you know, my home is kind of similar to the way that Joshua grew up in terms of that all of our candles are from Sitfat in Israel. And we have a special, you know, Saturday night dinner leading into our worship day, just that we are imitating some of the best things that we know and that we were able to absorb from our Jewish friends in Israel. And so it's been super normalized in our home. Mm -hmm. And I never really thought about that until when we went to the Holocaust Museum in DC. And because it's such a hard museum to walk through outside of the Holocaust Museum, they have this area called Daniel's story. And so you walk through this little boy's diary of his experience on Kristallnacht leading up to um, being deported to the camps and mm. and it's just a normal Jewish home with challah bread on the table and kosher wine and right. and all of these things and so when my children rocked Daniel's story they didn't get it like they this mm. all looked normal to them these are things that are in our home these are things in the homes of their friends and mm. and the way Daniel talked and prayed was very familiar and so they the, the framework of the Holocaust didn't mean anything to them because this was all so familiar and normal. So, and with mm. Amy and Joshua, that was what I picked up from their stories too, of that there was no othering of the Jewish people. Mm. The Jewish people was were celebrated in, in their home and in their lives. Mm. So I do think you don't see, so when Joshua was, con was confronted with anti-Semitic tropes in college, his instinct was to know better the same for Amy. And so I, I don't know. I just feel like starting in the home with yeah. that of not othering the Jewish people is That's the good. only way that we can really for sure change the whole foundation. Okay. Thank you. That's good. Yeah. Amy, anything you want to add? Um, no, when you guys figure out how we can actually learn from history and not repeat it, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you Sign know, I'm just very, sign me up. On board. I was thinking about what Joshua said about how today's kind of framing of the of the situation is, oh, you know, we're doing good. We're being virtuous by, um, you know, championing the underdog. That's exactly what Hitler did. Exactly. Mm -hmm. what I mean, if you look at the propaganda in the 30s, all of the 30s, it was for health reasons and the greater good. And 
so it's the whole playbook is just being recycled and it it's like that little emoji on your iPhone with the face with the head blowing off because I'm like <laughs> does anybody else see this we're we're, right. we're on the we're just recycling it all and um yeah. and that's why I get my back to my original word frustrated because I think you know I go to bed with a migraine I'm but then I have to How can we be here again yeah. yeah. I mean, I actually pr- have been praying myself to sleep for these mass many weeks because I can't mm. sleep. And mm. if I know the old the old trick that the pastor's wife would tell us, if you really want to fall asleep, just keep praying and reciting Bible verses because nothing, the devil won't get you to fall asleep fast enough if you're, if you're <laughs> focusing on the word and talking to God. Um, but that's the only mm. way I can fall asleep because mm. the anxiety is it anxiety i don't even know what the yeah. emotion is. yeah I, I i i'm i'm gonna try that because i'm not sleeping all mm. I, I can only imagine well that's the other thing if i can't sleep i mean what what is anybody yeah. sleeping in israel for yeah. more than third three minutes at a time Absolutely. um this episode is the epitome of leaving people wanting more because i think we could go on for another couple of hours it's been super profound and, and I'm really grateful, really grateful. It, it was, and you know, this, we only scheduled it yesterday and I mm-hmm. wanted to find a couple of people who would be available at this time. So I could have this episode in the pipeline. So, mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm super grateful. This is a really, really, really important conversation. Um, I do want to end. And it also, I was, I was saying that because it was also not deliberate to have three people who are also authors in Israel, the miracle. So as long as I have you, and at the risk of a completely shameless plug when we're talking about a war, um, each of you in your own ways, m- uh, several months ago, I asked, would you be part of this book? And you said, yes. You haven't seen it yet. I can't wait for you to get your hands on it. Um, but it'll be there early early December, and we're encouraging people to go to Israel, the miracle com to buy their advanced copies. What does it mean to you that we've put together this compilation of essays by 75 Christian leaders from all over the world, published as this magnificent coffee table book, um, and that you're part of it? It's a, it really is an honor to be a part of it. Um, my wife and I, I remember when you reached out, I just remember, John, we were, it, there were so many things happening at once. Yeah. I didn't even think we'd, we'd finish. I think right around that time um, is when Olga's mother, my mother-in-law just yes. passed away. And, right. um, and we had to go at a moment's notice, go back to South Africa. And, um, you know, a lot of stuff just kind of, you know, slipped through the cracks for those couple months. And um, the fact that you were persistent, now I'm looking back and okay, that was definitely Hashem because, you know, um, that could have easily just, you could have easily been like, okay, well, that's, that's fine. You know, and, and a lot of people did. And I, I'm, I'm actually glad that, that you kept with us. And, and one night we just kind of mustered up our energy. It's okay. Let, let's finish this and send this to Jonathan. Um, and then seeing, you know, being able to, to see who the other authors are on it. It's just an honor to be kind of counted among them and to be a part of that. Um, I think it's special and something that, uh, Christians, I think, can glean a lot from, for sure. So thank yeah. you for having me on. Yeah, our privilege. Amy, Shelley? I'm just... I think it's... Oh, go ahead, Amy. No, I was just going to say, I'm so glad you had the 
the um, inspiration to put it together because it's one more it's one more thing we can do with, for example, my friend, my friend Rachel, who who only lives an hour away, that when she says I, I just feel lonely and and that nobody's there for us. I mean, I can give them a copy of this beautiful book and say, mm -hmm. here's 75 people, each of which probably represent thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of mm -hmm. people in your corner. 100%. Shelley? I was just going to say, treat it to like a who's who of the people you can trust right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I've had to unsubscribe from several podcasts this week of people, even just a pop culture Christian podcast that I like that happened to call what Israel was doing genocide this weekend. Oh, I did not wow. see that coming. Um, and yeah, and a seminary professor who I thought was on the right side of replacement theology, but had a, a rant about about why uh, he didn't understand why Christians supported, felt a need to support the modern state of Israel. So I just, right now, I feel like a lot of Christian Zionists are feeling a sense, feeling a sense of betrayal from wow. certain teachers. And um, mm -hmm. so at least if anything else, treat it as like, here's 75 people who are still with mm -hmm. Israel. And these are teachers and preachers mm -hmm. and leaders who you can trust. I, I love that for, for us, but also for you, because I don't have that perception of you feeling that that people are peeling away who are Christians and who were or should be supported. Um, so to the extent that this will give Christians that added uh, Hebrew word chizuk, strength, encouragement, um, mm. that's a that's something that I didn't really even anticipate a year ago. But how nice that in this context we can add that. Mm. Um, we could go on and on and on, um, but but we're not. We'll we'll have you back. And, and I pray that this will be a meaningful conversation for many, but I just want to thank the three of you individually and collectively for what you're doing, for taking the time, for sharing your great insight today. Um, this is an important one. And as much as I like to think that all the podcast episodes I do are, are good, this one's exceptional. And I hope that uh, it will get shared and listened to and interacted with widely. So thank you for, for being part of it. Thank, Thank you so much, Sandra. Thank you. Let me just wrap up since I had the three of you talking about uh, Israel the Miracle. What we've been doing now since almost the beginning of the podcast is every month we offer a special book. We call it From Jonathan's Bookshelf. But since we've just published Israel the Miracle for the last couple of months and for the foreseeable future, every month we're giving away a free copy of Israel the Miracle, you should know that the retail value is $75. It's not a cheap book. It's not a light book. It weighs three pounds, um, and it's stunning, and it will bless your home. All we ask is that you do is go to the inspiration from Zion social media and like and follow us. And when you share and comment this, I'm going to follow that, and we're going to pick one person at random each month to receive uh, a copy of the book. So I pray that you will, and I pray that the right one will get this and it will bless your home. Um, we're always grateful that this podcast is sponsored by the our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're ever in the area, I want to pop in and say hi and thank you for help. Uh, they'll appreciate uh, your appreciation for helping make conversations like this possible. And also special thanks to our friends, the Coin family, for their meaningful sponsorship. Now, it seems a little crazy to, to even do a general pitch um, at this time, but inspiration from Zion and all the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations. 
So outside of our Israel emergency campaign, please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and build bridges for when we are not in an emergency. And this episode, just because we have to, is sponsored in honor of all of the brave soldiers. We pray that they will come home safely and soon for anyone who's been injured um, in, in any of the actions in the last uh, month, that they will have a full and speedy recovery and that their families and the families of the hostages and the hostage will come home. And for the families of those who are mourning a loved one this past month, that they will all gain strength and, and, and uh, support from all, this, uh, from all of this support. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or a special occasion, please be in touch at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. And as always, we'd love to hear your comments as part of a dialogue and invite you to send any questions as well, especially questions you have about traditional Judaism for our Ask the Rabbi programs. Please share this with others who will also find it of interest and continue to join us right here as we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy, and I send my blessings from right here in the Judean mountains. God bless you. Hallelujah.